Um, so it's been a great weekend already. Um, one person that didn't get a shout out was Gary Dungan, and you always put a lot into all of our community events, so good job, Gary. Also, that's right, John, good job. Big help. Um, I have uh, one thing that's kind of off topic to say, but I'm going to wait just a moment. Charles shared this morning from Isaiah, and we're going to spend time in Isaiah. So if you want to grab your Bible and turn to Isaiah, we're going to be in chapter 58. And if you have one of the Bibles that is um, a storyline Bible, um, call out the page number when you get there. They're all, I think, the same. They may not be, so we'll just throw some people off. Isaiah 58. 507. 507. There you go. 507. And 514. So somewhere in the 57 to 14 range, you will find what we'll be studying. Um, You know, as we were taking communion, I was thinking about that text that Charles read, which was pretty strongly worded, right? It was like, all your stuff that you do, all your religious stuff, I hate it. (laughs) And I was thinking... Man, you know, that's that is challenging. And but I also remember about God that he brings the challenge, but he also brings the grace. And right after he brings this extremely strong challenge to his people there just in chapter one. So I'm I'm, I'm uh, backing up just a bit is when he says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And so as God challenges us to change and to have a heart like his, remember that he reaches out to us and says, I'm going to wash you clean. I'm going to I'm going to take away um, your failings and your sins, and I'm going to start to make you like me. So I thought that was just a we're going to kind of get there. But that that just hit me during communion, because communion is that reminder that he's always he's always helping us grow and become more than what we are today. Um, okay, off topic, but um, uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, and as a community, we say thank you to uh, Miles and Valerie Kellum. Um, Miles and Val are in a special time in life, and uh, the two shall become three soon. And uh, we're excited for you guys, and we are praying with you guys. And uh, But we also just want to recognize the role that y'all have played for a long time in leading worship and leading and leading response. And uh, as as you guys move into this new period, you know, we've talked about they're going to uh, they're going to take a rest from leading worship for this the rest of this year and uh, just be family and uh, just be with them, and be with God and listen after him. Um, but we just wanted to say thank you because you guys have played a major role in this community. So let's give them a hand. Okay. Um, without further ado, um, Isaiah 58. We're going to read this entire chapter um, because it's just one self-contained thought. It, it's kind of like one blog post that Isaiah puts out there. And if you don't know who Isaiah is, that's okay. But he's a he's a prophet that lived several hundred years before Jesus came. 
And Isaiah uh, would give these prophecies from God, and they were basically messages of truth from God for a specific people. Now, sometimes he's talking to uh, the, the Israelites, God's people. Sometimes the prophets would, would talk to different nations. In this chapter, he's talking to the people of Israel. And uh, he has some important words for them to know. So, let's uh, read together. Isaiah 58. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer you. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Um, We could probably just kind of leave it there and uh, just let uh, Isaiah... Uh, just have his word with us, but let's dig into that a little bit. And um, I'm going to share a little bit about this, but really it, this is one of those things that I, I need help to know where to go with this. And so I'm going to bring up some folks from our community to help us understand uh, what God is calling us to as a community more. Um, but first I'll share a few thoughts of my own. I think um, that when I think about what, what this chapter is about as as the chapter begins, you know, he, he goes ahead and says it. I'm calling you out for your rebellion and your sins. It's no secret. Like you did something wrong. 
But then he says that the people are seeking him out day after day. And not only are they, they seeking him out, um, they're fasting, which, I mean, on the list of spiritual practices, you know, on the on the difficulty level, you know, that's that's kind of up here for me, at least. I, I really like food a lot and I don't like giving up food. Um, I mean, what if uh, we said, OK, for the fall, we've got a great idea. Storyline is launching 40 days of fasting, and that's going to get us ready for new rhythms of fasting that we're going to pursue every week. And, you know, how many of you would be like, yeah, that's the direction I'm so excited about. You know, some of you guys are, are like, yeah, I would, I would go for that. But um, it, it seems like a pretty stinking devoted thing to do is to fast and seek God. So why is God getting so up in arms about them fasting? Uh, you know, there were times in, in the history of Israel when they didn't even care about the Lord, Yahweh. They would go after other gods. So they would, you know, they would do their own thing. And at least here they're they're like trying to pursue him. So why why is God so upset with them? I mean, part of part of it's obvious. We just read the chapter. But as I dug into this and I looked around, I saw a phrase that came up several times. And it was the phrase, uh, as it says in verse three, on your day of fasting, you do as you please. And then when he shifts gears to another spiritual practice, to the Sabbath day, again, he says in verse 13, if you keep your feet from breaking the, the Sabbath and doing as you please on my holy day. And then further down, if you honor it, but not going your own way and doing as you please. And he kept saying and doing as you please. And there's something about the way that they are practicing their spirituality, the way that they're practicing their religious uh, activities. That's the way that they please and not the way that God pleases. And so when they fast, he's like, you fast, yes, but you also during the fast exploit your workers. You fight with each other and you're basically being falsely humble. You're you're saying, look at us. We're, we're dressed in sackcloth and ashes, which is another way just to say, God, we want, you know, we want your attention. We're, we're humbling ourselves. And what it looks like to me is that the people of God, they are willing to give him something. They're willing to give up food for a day. But they're not willing to get to let their hearts fully be formed uh, by his will. In other words, they're like, God, we'll do this for you if we get the blessings. You know, we're like, will you hear us? Will you give us the things that, that we need and that we want? We're fasting here. We're praying. We're dressed up in these rough garbs. You know, we're trying to get your attention. And what I what I sense is God saying, listen, all your practices, you're, you're missing the point because you're just trying to get something from me. You're missing my heart and the way that you live the rest of your life reflects where your heart really is. And before we move on from that, I just wanted to let that light shine on us and say, you know, it's hard. Um, are we are we willing to come to worship gatherings and be in formation groups and have garage sales and and read uh, workbooks and books together and pray and and do a lot of really good things. But at the same time, we're holding our hearts um, away from God with one hand. And saying, God, I'll give you this. I'll, I'll come this far. I'll take this step. But I'm not going to give you everything. And the answer is yes, obviously. I mean, for me it is. Um, 
there's parts of my life that I want to hold on to, that I don't want to give to him, that I'm uncomfortable saying, yeah, I'll follow you there. And honestly, our conversation today is one of those because I'm, kind of, I'm scared and I'm ignorant of, God, what are you calling me to, uh, you know, to, to really live a life that is, is for others, that's helping other people. And, um, and I, I'm like, I'm, I'm there in my head, but in my heart, I'm not all the way there. And so what I encourage us to do this morning, if you're feeling that way too, and if as we talk you feel like, I'm being challenged here, let that light of God and that rebuke of God just fall on you. Because he doesn't give you a rebuke, he doesn't give you a challenge because he wants to call you out. He gives you the rebuke and he gives you the challenge because he wants to heal you. He wants to grow you. He loves you. He shines light on you and says, this is what the reality is in your heart because he wants to point out what's true and what's real. He wants you to experience something more. And that's where God's heart is for us. He, he loves us and he wants to bless us. But so often when we seek God with our spiritual practices, we're seeking what he can give us. We're seeking, as one author put it, we're seeking his hands, but we're not seeking his face. And God wants us to seek his face. He wants us to seek him to know him. And so when we fast and when we come together and worship and when we pray and we do formation groups and all kinds of other things, that's an opportunity for us to get close to God so that his heart starts to rub off on us and the rest of our lives starts to look more and more like him. We don't do these spiritual practices um, so that we get a bunch of stuff from God or we get in his good graces or we make it to heaven or whatever else. We do spiritual practices like fasting and even giving and, and, and worshiping because we want to draw near to the face of God, to him and his character and be transformed and changed and be like him. And, and then when we get to that point, now God says, OK, this is what my heart is like. And in verse six, let me find that he starts to talk about where his heart is. The type of fasting I have chosen is to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. At least in the version we read this morning, you know, yoke comes up a lot. And so that's not the part of the egg. That is uh, where they hitch to the oxen that were going to plow the field. And so they'd, they'd tie it up to the beast of burden. And it was called a beast of burden because the thing was heavy. And it's plowing through this field and it's just dragged under the weight of this yoke. And God is saying there's people that go through life and that's how they feel. They feel like they are tied down. They are strapped down to this burden and they feel oppressed by it. And that's what their life is like. And he says, what I want you to do is untie those straps that are burdening people. I want you to help set people free from what is oppressing them. So my question for us this morning is, where are the oppressed among us? Where are the oppressed in Dallas? Where are the oppressed in Richardson? What is oppressing them? What can we do? What can God use us to do to untie those yokes of oppression and set them free? The word oppressed comes up three times in the translation that we read this morning. The word hungry uh, comes up twice, too. The wanderer without shelter, the naked, even one's own flesh and blood. As God's pointing out these groups of people that he has a heart for, you know, again, the question comes up for me, you know, where are the hungry? Where are the sh- where are the wanderers without shelter? Where are um, the people that need clothes? Who are these folks and, and who are our own flesh and blood? 
And how does God want to use us? I, I, I mean, the answers are, are, are here for us, but I want us to ask these questions. God, who are you calling us to? Uh, how, can we, how can we help? Now, God says, when my heart starts to, to, to fill your heart and you start to live out my actions, when you give love and care and provision and justice to these people, that's when you start to experience all these blessings. He, he describes it in, in powerful ways. Your light will break forth like the dawn. I mean, just imagine a, a, a night that's just dark. And that's, that's what people's lives feel like. And all of a sudden, the light breaks up over the horizon. You see flashes of light and it lights up the sky. And this beauty and this glory is starting to come into this dark place. And he's saying, when you start to live this way, when you start to live a life that helps the oppressed, that helps people that are hungry, that helps people that are wanderers without shelter, then you start to see your light break forth like the dawn. Your healing will come quickly. You'll cry for help and and the Lord will say, here am I. You'll be called repairer of broken walls. You will find your joy in the Lord. All the things that people were trying to seek from God, all the good things they wanted from God that they thought, well, I'll fast so that I can get these good things from God in my life. He said, no, you can fast to get to know me. But when you start to live out my heart for the people around you and you start to fight for justice and fight against poverty and fight to help the oppressed, that's when you're going to experience the blessings of my hands. That's what he says. Um, I feel like this is the heart of our church where we want to be. But as in anything else, um, we want to grow. We want God to challenge us and to teach us and to help us uh, become more and more like him as a community. And as I've said, I don't know the answers to that. And I would like some people to help me understand better how to do this. So I've asked um, for Beth and for Kenny and for Lowell and for Terry to help me out. And um, there are four chairs up here at this table. And would you all mind um, just coming and reseating yourselves at this table? And um, this is our panel that's going to help us explore this topic a little bit more. And I, first of all, just appreciate you guys helping me out. I think it's going to be exciting to hear uh, what you have to say. Um, so, first of all, let me ask a question to Beth. Um, why do you think God is clearly concerned that his people work for justice among their neighbors? Well, if you, when you read the Bible, it's clear that God hears the voice of the oppressed and the cries of the oppressed. And so, um, it would make sense that as people who follow him, that we also hear the voice of the oppressed and um, I think that hearing and listening is a really important part of justice. It's not for us to run in and fix everything but for us to um, listening and really listening to someone's story and their experience provides dignity Um, and I think that's the most important step that we have to realize that we're not going in and doing it for people but we're doing it with people um, that justice is with the oppressed and not as coming in and rushing in and being the Wow. That's great. Um, I didn't ask you this beforehand, but um, I know that many of us that know you know that you have had a heart to 
to work for justice for a long time. And, um, it, you know, was it hard for you to find injustice? Was it hard for you to figure out how can I help? And what was what are some steps that you've taken to be able to actually be involved in, in fighting for justice? So for the past few years, um, I've been really involved in racial justice. Um, and so it started all because we adopted our son, Caleb, who's Hispanic. And I thought, I know nothing about raising a person of color um, in the society that we live in today. And so it really just started with listening. And I, um, I'm i a little ashamed to admit that it took us adopting for me to be able to listen and really like like value the experience of people of color and what they're saying about their experience um, in all aspects of life, in schooling and um, hiring and the, the criminal justice system. Um, and so it really started with listening, and um, it takes a lot of humility. Um, and I, I, I realized you really have to, you know, um, Jesus says, like, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself and to die for self. And I think that in this justice work, if we're to do it well, we have to do that first. Um, it can't be about us. Because people will know. Um, no one wants to be a project. And so it really takes humility and uh, a listening heart and a listening spirit to be able to do that. So that's kind of how I started. Thank you, Beth. Um, my next question is for Kenny. Mr. Kenny Jelks. Um, Kenny, anybody that knows you knows that you're somebody that is willing to share what you have. Even if you don't have a lot, you share it. And um, what I'm wondering that if you'll share with us is um, you're also somebody that uh, has been humble enough to ask for help when you needed it. And um, how do you think um, that both giving and receiving help is part of our our lives as as followers of Jesus? Why is that important for followers of Jesus? I always, I've always known and grow up on Father Lynch, that to give and receive it. Yeah. And when a person is in time of need, and, you know, it's good to be generous and, and if you can, kind of way help them out to be able to get their needs met and everything. And it's also good to receive as well because that's what God is a giving, a, a giving Father and a giving for God. And, um, he wants you to come to him in times of need as well as times of giving because that's our type of God we have. And, and um, it's, it's always better to, to try to help somebody out with God. And me, myself, that's why I met, started out with Storyline. I was on the streets there, and they helped me out. And there was a uh, time that I really needed something, and, and that I had, uh, was able to get help from somebody that, that was actually willing to, to have my needs met and everything and I've been uh, trying to do the same thing if I need somebody see somebody that needs something if I got a little extra stuff over I always try to reimburse that back because I remember when I was in town and there was someone there for me to get help from as well as I run into some people sometimes when I beg to do something for them and they ask for this and they ask for that like right now mm-hmm. Uh, process situation that I that person is in time of very emergency need what I have went over the weekend actually debating on whether I should do this or you know I go to the Lord and just say well I don't really know what which way to turn but I said I'll go in time to, uh, to the Lord and just ask the Lord so 
and these are Christian people too, so it really wasn't. At first, I had just denied the fact that I would go and help someone out at, at, at times of life where it could be putting me into, you know, a mind or something, but actually, I was thinking, well, they're Christian, so hopefully that, you know, my second decision was the right decision, which was to, to help the person out just for a little while, like they say. And, um, I, they came over and we discussed the problem and everything. So I was, I was, you know, they said, don't let me down. Please don't change your mind or anything. So I said, my God, we know we like church born people. So I like to provide the Lord too. And they have also, at times when I didn't have food and everything, offered me to go to food banks and things and help me get food and things. So mm-hmm. I felt that reimbursing, you know, the same a favor to them would probably be, you know, a little bit kind of understanding, especially when you're Christian, we're our Christians, and I agree to do that, but I mean, it's that for a period of time, I have did that for people that sometimes I, you know, felt that I was being used or anything, but I always say, you know, it's better to give than to receive, you know, mm-hmm. and I re-decided uh, my decision to go ahead and have a couple of weeks, and I think that's what God was sending, you know, telling me to do, actually, you know, so on. Is that very much unique? I mean, they had problems, you know, the situation they was in. It was basically they thought, but I said, God always gives. So, I mean, as long as He wants to be forgiven, we're going to try again and, and get things, stitch yourself back together and everything. And, and the feeling that I'm feeling that God has sent me through to, to them, then I'm, you know, willing to help them for a couple of weeks or so or something. And uh, just hopefully everything will be all right and I did the right thing. Because yeah, I'd rather. If that was me out there needing this help too, I would, you know, would like to like turn it out whenever I need something. I always been there for me, so now it's a chance for me to be there for somebody else. So I'm um, just taking the decision of that I'm doing the right thing. Thank you, Kenny. Um, I liked what you said, especially about just asking God to know kind of what to do in this particular situation, and um, I think that's a powerful example. Um, Lowell, you're next, brother. Um, what are some practical ways the church can help fight for justice and against poverty in Dallas? Well, I think um, probably one of the best ways for the church to um, help um, fight the injustice and stuff is to help people understand the underlying reasons for why a person might be in the position that they're in. A lot of people just see no bum or see no whatever call it that, you know, but there's reasons behind it. And, uh, a lot of people <coughs> in poverty and in those situations aren't really happy with it. Um, um, don't bother me. Bother, bother, bother. Um, it's just, uh, I guess, just bringing out the true reasons and helping that person realize the true reasons. Because a lot of times uh, they just have a poor opinion of themselves. When reason when there was reason that causes for them to be that way. It's not just the anymore. They just need help. People see no truth. Thank you, Lowell. Um, Terry, um, why do you think scripture says so much about God's heart for the poor? And what does that mean for us? Well, um, I think, first of all, that, you know, we looked at this scripture and we saw how important it was for God to take care of the poor. And, in fact, uh, Charles kind of stole one of my other scriptures <laughs> because I, I was going to look at Isaiah where he talked about 
um, the that first chapter where he talked about uh, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. And I think that if we look in Scripture, we see this is where God's heart is. I mean, this is the very core of what's important to God. And we looked at the other Scripture about how um, God didn't want this here. He wanted this from his people. And so, to me, if we're going to follow after God, then um, our heart has to line up with his heart. And if that's asking for God to, I remember a time in my life of asking God for my heart to beat for the same things that his heart beat for. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think also that God delights in his children. And I think he delights in all of us, but I think he really delights in those that are less fortunate. And so um, I think that God has a really special place for the poor and, and the oppressed. And so if that's where God's heart is, then I think that's where our heart needs to be. Hmm. Thank you. Um, last question is for all of y'all. And uh, if you'll just give us kind of your brief thoughts. Um, we read Isaiah 58. We've also read some from Isaiah 1. What do you guys think as you uh, have looked at that chapter? What do you think God's word is for us um, from, from that uh, chapter from Isaiah for today? Anybody can go first. I think basically he's saying for to not so be so concerned about yourselves, but to be concerned for others. Mm. <laughs> and maybe we put aside our own needs to make sure that we're taking care of others. Now I think it's I think it's it's kind of twofold. I think we can look at it as storyline as a whole, but I also think that we need to look at it individually, mm-hmm. not only collectively as to what we can do, but individually too. And um, I, I really believe that every day, if we have eyes to see and a heart that's willing to um, to meet the needs, I think I think that God every day puts someone in our path. I believe that. I, I, I honestly believe that. And it's whether or not our heart is prepared for that and our eyes see those people that God gives to us. So maybe it's, it's to be praying that we have eyes, eyes to see those people and hearts that are willing to minister in whatever capacity or way that God wants us to. Hmm. It's very easy to take care of me. <laughs> it's a whole lot harder, I think, sometimes to take care of others. And mm. so it's to make sure that we see those people that mm. God sends to us. That's good. Thank you. Beth or Kenny? Okay. I was just wondering, uh, like, what uh, areas, like, it's better to think about others than yourself all the time. And mm-hmm. um, especially when you uh, <clears throat> are actually. Um, doing something for somebody from your heart and, and um, that's really how they've been there um, with you through times of need as well and they was actually you know doing something from their heart to help me out so now is the time for me to help them out because they're in real emergency needs so I feel it, it's better sometimes to you know really think about it first because you know sometimes you want to you don't know whether you get into it helping this person would it really be a mistake you 
doing or would it be okay to go ahead and give them that help since they're in need and you're able to give it, you know, to, to, to give them. And, um, I mean, like I say, you know, I just went to God and asked God to, to give me the, the, the best way to do this, the answers to my questions, or, you know, I'm denying or, or am I going to be a fool doing this or am I going to be doing this to, that, you know, really helps somebody that's going to appreciate actually the way I'm helping them not, and not take advantage of me because I'm being nice or generous to, to give them the feedback and everything that mm-hmm. they have gave me before. Okay. Thank you, Ken. What about you, Beth? I think maybe, um, culturally, sometimes we think of justice as something that we can throw money at mm-hmm. or we can do from afar. Um, and so I think that as a church, we really need to consider um, how we're approaching the work of justice and how, um, because again, like just throwing money at a problem isn't really solving the problem. It's not making the need for people that they oppress. It's not, um, like, when I, when I read this passage, it's not, God's not just saying, like, give money to the poor person. He's saying, share your food with them. Share it. Give these four a hand. Thank you for participating. Good job. Um, y'all can return to your other seats. And um, <clears throat> that was good stuff. Um, thank you again. That was really good. I want to uh, pray for us, and then we're going to have one more song. Uh, before we finish up. And so, um, let's pray. Father, first of all, we we are grateful that you are a God that looks out for the oppressed, looks out for the poor. Um, we know that you love your love is, is so great that you love each of us, but you don't forget about anybody. No one is hiding under a rock that, that, that you don't know about. And, um, and you love them in your eyes there. And um, would, you, would you conform our hearts so that we were willing to get into those messy um, circumstances where we build relationships to help people? that we would take that uncomfortable step. Um, Lord, give us generous hearts and eyes that are open. 
as uh, as Terry said, that we could pray that each day that we'd be we'd be looking for um, who you might be leading us to, um, and Lord, help us to be to be uh, both generous, Lord, and accepting of your generosity from others. Um, Lord, we thank you, and uh, we take we ask that you use this day both our our conversation and our offering and uh, that you make it something that is is a part of our lives individually and as a community uh, over the next year. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.